And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's October. Time to put on a big sweater, sip a hot drink. But before you get too cozy, you gotta go. Head on down to Costco to buy a giant punk rock skeleton. The economy is literally tanking, but you just spent 150 bucks on a life size ornament that stands on your lawn. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, October 23rd, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory. To my left, it's the bearded one, my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Ayo! Ayo! And over yonder, the man making the magic happen, super producer J.D. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Smash that like button and make sure you subscribe. The NBA season starts tomorrow night. And hey, never miss a hoop story that matters. The Athletic has you covered with relentless reporting on every dime basket dunk this season. All of it. Charges, alley-oops. <laughs> flops, probably. Flops, oh, d- indeed. Yeah. We'll have a whole article on that. Subscribe now for a special deal. Just $1.99 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks to take advantage of that. All right, on today's pod, we got a lot. We're going to discuss Andre Iguodala's retirement that happened sort of right while we were doing Friday's show. Uh, we got to discuss Steven Adams' season-ending knee surgery and how that affects the Grizzlies. We had a few last-minute contract extensions. Some guys got paid. But first, we got a guest here on a Monday. He's the producer and co-host of the Raptors show and is the author of the brand-new book, Prehistoric, The Audacious and Improbable Origin Story of the Toronto Raptors. It's Alex Wong. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. You know, um, book is coming out this week, uh, but this is like I told you guys off air. This this is the only uh, this is the only podcast I'm excited to be on. Oh, okay. just kidding to everyone who's booked me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you must have a you must have a busy week lined up here. Not only just the start of the season. Obviously, you guys will have the Raptor show, but yeah, you'll be doing all the press here for this incredible new book. Yeah, it's been super fun, you know, obviously talking to you guys, talking to everyone. This project I finished earlier this year, but but to be able to now finally get feedback from everybody and, and hear what people, uh, what tidbits uh, and stories from the book that people never knew about or things from the first year that people have forgotten about. All that stuff is super fun. Like, I think this is the part of finishing a book and writing a book that that is the most fun for me is to be able to finally interact with someone because when you write a book you hold on to it yourself for like two years three years as you're working through it and then you finally release it out to the world it's a it's a beautiful thing you know guys how long were you thinking about writing this book you've obviously written some other books we loved cover story uh but how long was this one in the works alex yeah i, I think even before i pitched cover story and um i would say like even before the Raptors won the championship, I've always thought about wanting to write a story about the origin story of, of the Raptors because when they started in 95, like I was just an 11-year-old kid, had just come to Canada from Hong Kong for three years and basketball really changed my life here in terms of um, you know, getting to know a different community here, making friends as a kid, as an immigrant. So honestly, going way back ever since I've gotten into this you know, uh, writing space, uh, found out that Skeets and I lived in the same condo unit in Toronto. Like I've always, I've thought about that since way back. But it wasn't until when the Raptors won the championship that I thought maybe there would be an uh, an appetite for it. And it really made me realize that it's been 25, 30 years now, and it's it's time to to revisit that for for the younger generation who weren't even some of them weren't even born during '95, and and for people like myself too who only know kind of little bits and pieces about the early years. I devoured 
this book over the weekend. Like once I started going, I could not put it down. It felt like you wrote this book just for me. Screw everybody else. Like as a diehard Raptors fan around that age when they got the team where I was just really getting into basketball. But I love how you laid this book out too, Alex. Like you take us through the entire, obviously the creation of the team and all that went into that. But then the entire season of that first year Raptors team, the expansion team. But then within it, you like have these sort of chapters, if you want to call them, or at least stories about a lot of the players that you obviously got some one-on-one time with. So I loved, like, you know, there's there's a part dedicated to AC Earl, and there's a part dedicated to Tracy Murray. I thought that was so cool, like, through the, like, the, the line of the season. So well done on that. Did you have a favorite, you know, Raptors player or even someone within the organization that you got to talk to for this book? Yeah, I would actually say AC Earl. You know, I'm sure Raptors fans will, will remember AC as as a cult figure you know he was he was drafted by boston a few years earlier before the raptors took him in the expansion draft in the first round didn't really pan out came out of toronto and he everybody i mean not everybody but raptors fans will remember he scored 40 points Mm -hmm. against the boston celtics uh, a career high in that first season and that's one of the stories i dove into Uh, i love talking to ac because ac was just such an such an eccentric guy like he you know, uh, built his own music studio back home in Iowa. Like he helped uh, members of the Wu-Tang come to Scarborough during that first <laughs> season to, to organize a concert. And he was just a prankster and a jokester in uh, in the locker room. And just talking to everybody that I was able to track down on that first year team and talking to AC himself, guys were so excited to talk about AC Earl. And I know you guys cover the NBA so in depth, like, you guys know, like, there's just certain guys that that all everybody who's ever played with, they all love, and AC was one of those guys. So it was super cool to tell his story. He actually came to town over the summer for a Raptors reunion event too. So I was able to able to connect with him as well. So that's um that's a, su- a super cool part. And I and I clocked that he was still wearing a Celtics backpack. So I think he I think he's got a Celtics backpack from '93. <laughs> throwback yeah you think we need to do yeah. uh people forget ac earl was a problem kind of youtube <laughs> yeah. short or something yeah like people that? forget people forget he was a problem in that one game that was not on local tv <laughs> yeah. and nobody saw it, but he was a problem he do, was a problem do you have a favorite like little anecdote from the book that you learned uh that you were like wow that happened uh either with you know amongst teammates or something behind the scenes like do you have a favorite part yeah, uh, my favorite part actually diving into the story of when the Raptors as, a, as an expansion team beat Michael Jordan and the Bulls team that would go on to win 72 games that year in the championship. So much, you know, Tracy Murray, another member of that first year team and, and another favorite that I talked to in this book, he had always told me over the years whenever we chatted, he was like, man, you know, those guys were hung over that day. It was an afternoon game. I came out for shoot around and like nobody was there. And I went to Ron Harper, who was my boy. And Ron Harper was like, man, last night was a tough night. So I just wanted to dive into, I mean, obviously this is not the first time ever that NBA players have partied before a game, especially (laughs) in Toronto. But I was actually able to track down the club promoter named Eddie Williams, who organized a party on King West and got Michael Jordan to put his name and face on the flyer. So it it was actually not just any party. It was the biggest party of that season for the Raptors. And and Jordan came through, apparently, according to sources, um, shouts to Woj and Shams. Um, um, Jordan showed up at like 1 in the morning. Tracy said he left at 2. Ron Harper says that they didn't get back to the hotel till 8. They played at 3 p.m. the next day. So that was a fun little story to just throw in there. But as I was writing, I was like, damn, I guess this doesn't really matter because MJ scored 38 points and they almost beat him at the buzzer anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually hit the shot at the buzzer. It was just a second too late or like half a second too late. That was, I'm glad you brought that part up. I didn't know this story. I got to be honest. I thought I knew absolutely everything about the Raptors. Of course, we know when... Mighty Mouse, Damon Stoudemire, and the Raps beat the 72-10 and 10 Bulls. Like, that was their championship that season. But I did not know there was a huge <laughs> rager the night before. And now it makes a little more sense why they maybe didn't take it all so serious. Yeah, that was actually my least favorite part. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it answers a whole bunch of questions yes. that, that we probably would have been able to guess uh, the answer to. One of my favorite parts in the book, uh, though, Alex, is when you talk to Samuel L. Jackson, and he basically says that he educated Raptors fans about how to trash talk in basketball. Uh, what was it like talking to Samuel L. Jackson? 
Yeah, it's the funniest thing. Um, and and shouts to my uh, friend Elaine Kwan, who's in the book as well. She worked in the community relations department um, in the first year. And and one of the, but I'll answer the same way, but I just want to quickly say one of the coolest things when I mentioned Elaine and these people, like they all still keep in touch. Like all these first year people who worked <laughs> in the organization, like Elaine talks to Damon and Tracy all the time. There's just like this really special bond and that people I think will find out when they read the book of just people coming together to build this expansion team. But Elaine was able to set me up with Samuel L. Jackson. They've always kept in touch. I believe he was shooting uh, some kind of Marvel thing in Atlanta at the time. So I got in touch with his with his people and one of the funniest things i mean it was a joy to talk to samuel just about um you know toronto the raptors you know the raptor duffel bag being in jackie brown uh it was funniest thing it's like i get on the phone i'm like i'm a big fan sam he's like i've heard that before just get to the questions (laughs) (laughs) no small talk man no i like completely melted down i was like why am i telling samuel jackson i'm a big fan but like the funniest thing too was like they're obviously being an a-list celebrity um like their handlers managers was like you know you only get a little bit of time so i had the world's tiniest google calendar invite it was two to two 5 p.m. It was a five-minute meeting. I was like, damn, man, I'm also not going to take this too seriously, but I am personally, I feel personally attacked at the moment at this meeting invite. But he did, uh, like Trey said, had a lot to say about going to those early games and, and loving basketball and becoming a Raptors fan, but yeah, the idea that uh, he had to teach uh, you know, that hockey-loving crowd, like, the, the <laughs> rules and what the etiquette of what you can do, I guess, at a basketball game. He was pretty proud of that and telling you, hey, I taught them how to heckle. Yeah, no, it was, and that's like a running theme that comes out throughout the book. Like, it, I forgot that before the start of that first season, uh, Brendan Malone, the head coach, rest in peace, passed away recently. Yeah like had to sit uh, the media down and actually just teach them the X's and O's because aside from Doug Smith of the Toronto Star, who's still covering basketball today and a few other people in that space, uh, Leo Routens, who's in the book, Paul Jones, I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but like a lot of people were covering basketball for the first time. Like there was just a lot of education that was going on. Like even on opening night that I covered, there's just been this story that goes around. Everybody remembers from opening night that like the fans waved the thunder sticks when the Raptors were shooting free throws. <laughs> um, and, and it turned out, I tracked down the guy who runs game ops and he, uh, I guess conveniently, 25, 30 years later, just blamed it on the volunteers in the arena. He's oh, like, I, I told them to hand it out on the right side, but they went. But, you know, you know, this is something that I would do at work, too, especially 30 years later. <laughs> if there was an incident. I would definitely pass the buck. But there was just an education process. And Leo Rounds was talking about how, like, Skeets, you might remember this, like on the broadcast, oh, yeah. they would have, like, you know, rounds on round ball. Like, they would yep. just be teaching you, like what the three-second violation is, what illegal defense is. And you know what? At the time, that was very important because it was a hockey town and a lot of people didn't know basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Again, this book is phenomenal. Let's pivot from the past, though, to the to the present here, Alex. Um, again, you co-host, you're on and produce The Raptor Show with Will Liu and Blake Murphy, who has been folded into the mix, I guess, permanently now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blake's, Blake's an addition to the to the team this year. Um, and the bosses also came to us and was like, hey, I have some great news. You guys are going from one hour to two hour. And I was like, what's the great news? Um, anyways, <laughs> just kidding, bosses. I love working. Um, we're, we're, we're two to, we're two to four p.m. Wow, every day. Catch us on podcasts. Catch us on Sportsnet. Uh, very excited. Yeah. Well, we're also. You know, not to step in uh, your territory, but because uh, we're going to two hours, we are doing more like NBA coverage and stuff. So okay. we're excited about that. All right, that. we're battling. Yeah. I thought you were going to say not to step into your territory. We added a white guy to the show. <laughs> in- <laughs> oh, my God. That's our corner, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so many things I want to say. Let's, let's stay focused, boys. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's get your thoughts uh, on the Raptors here. Um, are there reasons to be optimistic? About the uh, 23-24 Raptors here? What's your, what's your feeling about yeah. this team? Yeah, get Will on the line, man. Every time I'm pessimistic, he's like, what's wrong with you? So uh, just get Will Lou on the line. No, I think, listen, last year, I think we can all agree, it was just not a fun season to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it's pretty damning when the president of the team, Asai Ujiri, comes to the season-ending presser and said that basically said, to paraphrase, that he hated watching this team. It wasn't a fun team to watch. Uh, I think 41-41. and 41, uh, plus the uh, Dr. DeRozan game was a uh, was a perfect encapsulation of what this team was like. They were just up and down all season, couldn't get any traction. So to even start from the optimistic side, it's that it, it, it honestly one of the things is like, can it get any worse? Like they've got a new coach in, they're playing a new style, they're going with a deeper bench this year, and I think 
just aesthetically, it's going to be more fun. Wins and losses, I'm sure we could get into. I don't know how much better they are year to year. Mm -hmm. But also, I will say too, like, and I don't think I don't think this is all on Fred. I just think there was too many players last year that needed touches on the team. So whether it was subtracting Fred or subtracting someone else, it just felt like they needed to subtract one guy who was a high volume hmm. shooter and a high usage player. And now you bring in Dennis Schroeder, who's going to be more of a playmaker. I just think the offense is going to spread out a little bit more. And, you know, preseason really doesn't count for anything. But even from watching in the preseason, um, talking to, you know, members of the team, sources, um, you know, everybody says that the vibes are better. So so vibes are good, but I'm all about wins and losses as well. One guy who will be touching the ball a lot this season is Scotty Barnes. The ball's been moving like crazy for the Raptors in the preseason, but I think Scotty's development is huge uh, this season. Skeets, I'm sure you would agree. Alex, what are you expecting from Scotty Barnes in year three? Yeah, I think I'm expecting more of what he brought in his first season than than his second season. With 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 development too under Darko Ryakovich, he has been very empowered. I think, you know, early on in training camp and in preseason. And sometimes we forget, like, not even just development. Development is not linear. Like these are really young kids, right? Like they they have a brush with success, a rookie of the year. They might come back expecting things to be easy and take a step back in year two. And sometimes these guys need a coach, um, you know, to to empower them and, and need the team to let them know that, hey, we're going to put the ball in your hands. You know, we want you to go out there and do what you do. You know, I thought the Washington game, the preseason game on Friday, I'm sure everybody spent their Friday tuning into Raptors <laughs> Wizards. Um, you know, Scotty was Scotty was amazing. And, and I think one of the things I always ask for Scotty is just to to have that energy and that consistency over four quarters. I know that's a lot to ask for over 82 games, but last year I thought that was the biggest thing that was missing from him was just that consistent energy that was there. So I think if he brings that, like, uh, you know, anything's on the table for Scotty. And what do you, uh, how many wins do you see the Raptors sort of finishing? I mean, 41 and 41, you said last year, sounds like you think they're improved, maybe just on vibes alone and Scotty obviously improving and stuff like that. Is this like a 45-win team flirting with 50? Where do you have them? Yeah, so Sportsnet actually asked me to submit my official uh, prediction. So, you know, I appreciate you guys for making me work on the weekend as I pick the Clippers to win the championship. Oh, um, what? I, I, I actually had the I actually had the Raptors. I put down, they asked me how many wins. I said 44. I think to okay. me, they, they, they profiled to me as a team in that range. Like, I don't see the upside to the point on this roster where they can be 48 to 50 wins, like get in the conversation. I don't know, maybe in like the four or five range, um, you know, seating in the East. Like I feel like they're going to be kind of five, six fighting for the play in. I think that's the best case scenario for this team. But I think to me, um, the wins are important, definitely. But I think Raptors fans will feel good coming out of this year if Scotty has takes another step. And some of these young guys like uh, Precious Achua, even Christian Coloco, you know, throw the rookie Grady Dick in there too. Like if they see a semblance of what that kind of next group of players is going to be for this team. Uh, do you think the Raptors are going to be competitive in the inaugural in-season tournament this season? Yeah, as I tell people, it's still a Tuesday against Orlando just because they <laughs> branded differently. You know, don't 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 let don't let corporate America fool you. you know? yeah. and, and listen, this isn't even no offense to Orlando; they're actually a fun team this year. So yeah. maybe I need to pick another team to to kind of slam on. So yeah, we'll see. Like if Pascal Siakam's you know a little bit under the weather on a Tuesday against Orlando, is he going to play just because there's an in-season tournament logo next? Uh, on the broadcast <laughs> i don't know i'm very anti in season tournament oh. like i saw i saw trey you put out the logo last week that yeah, has heavy logo. like my boss is forcing me to play in this tournament energy so i don't like it yeah. they didn't even give it a name it just called what it is no, the in season tournament I, I read something about that they didn't know what else to call it they're like let's just not you know overcomplicate this it's an in season tournament they let's didn't. just call it that yeah. uh alex how do we feel about grady dick the raptors rookie uh, appearing in Drake's son's music video. Is this, you know, is this a good sign for things to come this year or, ooh, uh-oh? Yeah, uh, first of all, super jealousy, you know, super jealousy anytime, you know, um, uh, he's able to be this close uh, with the global ambassador. Um, just just some breaking news here on, on no dunks, you know, not going to get into the specifics, but like was able to get a book, a signed copy of Prehistoric to the boy last week. Wow. Uh, wow and and nice. was crushed was crushed because I've been waking up every day now checking his IG story, hoping he can bump up my royalty sales by posting it once in the background as he gambles on steak. Uh, was crushed 
was crushed that he posted Rich Paul's book yesterday, which I'm super looking oh, forward yes, to reading. That's right. But I was like, oh my god, it's a book. But I was like, oh my god, it's not mine. So Drake, you still have time. Shouts to the boy. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was that was super cool. Uh, you know, to to see Adonis take over the entire OVO uh, practice facility and for Grady to make that cameo. And Will actually asked Grady about it at practice last week, and Grady seemed to get a kick out of it. I feel like this is like a rite of passage for every player that comes to Toronto. You got to start, you got to stare at the camera and say, we the North. <laughs> and you also just have a random like run in with Drake. So like Grady Dick is already ahead of the curve. Yeah. It's a weird cult we got going on up there for sure. The Drake cult. Who is the the best we the North sayer right now? Is it still Gary Trent Jr.? Yeah, Gary's pretty good, but the all-time will always be when they first landed, I believe this was in Tampa, when Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris were in a video together after being drafted and had to say, we the North. If anybody can pull that up, it's amazing, because I've never seen some two NBA players look like they were being held hostage. Um, like, like, they were just like, hey guys, but we, we the North. Like, there was no excitement hey behind it, nothing. Uh, t- today is uh, NBA Jersey Day. Uh, the NBA mm. told us uh, last week it would be celebrated today on Monday, the day before the start of the season. Uh, you you are a man that, I mean, you got a lot of great vintage finds. What's your favorite NBA jersey that you own? Favorite one I own is actually a vintage champion Houston Rockets, Robert Ory. Okay. So yeah. Ooh, I nice. was a huge fan of just... I don't know if you guys are like this growing up. Like, I just like a particular type of player. For, so for me growing up, I just love either power forwards, like 90s power forwards. Like, I remember I used to track – I spent so much time tracking down a Tyrone Hill, like, starting lineup figure that it was, like, unhealthy. <laughs> and I just also loved it. Out? Like, what was Tyrone Hill possibly doing as an action figure? Setting a honestly, screen? <laughs> honestly, no comment. But, like, um, but like yeah, Robert Robert Ori was, like – I love those role players, like, role players who would become, like, superhero types in the playoffs. And, and, and Ori is, is obviously well-known for so many moments with the Lakers and the Spurs – but like a little bit older fans like myself remember him on Houston too when he was just coming up and, and the Rockets won those two championships. So for me to track down that Robert Ory jersey was a was a blessing. Like I've I've passed on a lot of my jerseys now to friends, to my nephews as well because they're starting to get into basketball. But the Ory one uh, uh, is is uh, stays with me. Shout out to Henry and Owen, who this book yes was yes wow to. yeah exactly, yes right, the people yeah. people people knowing them by name is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see them all over your Instagram account. Yeah, yeah like, I feel like my nephews at this team. point. I'm like, like, like I tell, like, I tell my, like I tell my nephews, man, I'm not hanging out with you if there's no content. Like, we, <laughs> there has to be content. We're getting content. Yeah. Well, young kids uh, tend to like these city edition jerseys that we've seen popping up. There's a, obviously a whole new crop of 30 of them uh, for this season, Alex. Not great reviews, though, I would say, for the majority of these city edition jerseys. What do you think about this entire program where every team's getting some kind of new look every year? Yeah, show to all my close friends at Nike. Please continue to see me. But what is going on with this jersey situation, guys? Like, like is this? I, I, my new theory is that there's a designer at Nike that's just trolling the NBA. Like, like if you look at it from that perspective, then I think some of these designs make sense. And I think when you guys talk about the city edition program, like I think you guys will agree, there's just too many of them. There's yeah. too many of them. Like growing up, when I watched the Knicks, when I watched the Pacers, when I watched the Magic, when I watched the Bulls. I associated them with maybe one, two, maybe three max jerseys, like over the course of an entire decade. Like when I think about Reggie Miller, when I think about Patrick Ewing, when I think about MJ, I only see them in like two, three jerseys, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's like when I think about Giannis, he's in like nine different jerseys and five of them say Cream City. So it's, um, (laughs) you know, I don't know how good that is. And it's like I was looking at all the jerseys before coming on today, like, all the best throwback jerseys or, or the city edition jerseys are the ones where they just throw it back 100%. Right. Like the Orlando Magic. I think the Charlotte Hornets are throwing it back too to kind of that Baron Davis era. So it's 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 very scary to me. Like, you know, I think all of us love jerseys. I love how I'm saying it's scary to me. Like, this is something <laughs> really concerning to me, guys. We need to take a second to think about this. But it's like, like where are the new cool jersey designs going to come from? Like, like these kids, like I used to go to the mall and like, just, you know, bang my parents to like, please buy me a single Jersey. Like our kids today, like having that same feeling, are they still going to malls? Guys, it's a real serious situation. (laughs) It's scary scary out there. You might wake up one day and see the scariest Jersey you've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we were looking at them before we went live here. And uh, I think we'll do a segment on tomorrow's no dunks, maybe going through all of them. They're all, most of them are, you know, most of them are official. Some are still leaked, but 
of these new city edition jerseys, there's like there's like four that I'm like, okay, that's not bad. Yeah. And another 26 where you're right, Alex, it looks like somebody's either trying to troll the NBA or mailing it in. <laughs> like, look at this Nuggets jersey. Hey, do no, you like no, no. numbers? <laughs> no, no. Is this for the altitude? Like the, the yes, mile? That's a mile. Yeah, man. They oh, are. Oh my god. You know the worst one is the one that says heat culture. Oh, yeah, the yeah one that's pretty that's, brutal. It, 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 it's like it's like they, why don't you guys just slap live laugh love on it at this point? Like, <laughs> like like who's like who who goes yo this is our team uh, slogan or this is what we're known by and this is gonna be the jersey what are we doing? It's almost amazing that the Raptors have somehow not come out with a We the North jersey. That's yet. a great point. Like it's crazy. Yeah, to please me. don't. No, please, Skeet, stop. Don't give them any ideas. Like yeah. this is gonna get produced tomorrow. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, well, you said you're talking about the Raptors, obviously on the Raptor show, but you're you're expanding it. It's two hours now, so a lot more NBA talk. What's one popular prediction, Alex, that you've seen that you think is completely wrong heading into this new season or that you just take the opposite look at? Yeah, I would say I, I feel like popular opinion is that the Sixers are going to be a, a really good regular season team. They're going to they're going to compete again um, and be a fringe championship contender. And my hot take has been that the Sixers are going to be in the play in this year. You know, Whoa, I feel like. Okay. Why, like, number one, like, why are we just assuming? And it was just reported again that James Harden still hasn't come back to practice and joined the team this week. Like, why are we just assuming just because they were able to weather the Ben Simmons situation that, you know, they're able to deal with this James Harden situation? And, like, I haven't seen a single trade package from the Clippers that would make me feel good about the return and what that would look like for the team. I think... I think sometimes teams uh, simply run their course. Like, all due respect to, to the MVP, Joel Embiid. Like, I look around, like, outside of Tyrese Maxey, are there a lot of players on this team that that you're super excited about? Mm. Um, and I think, I just think there's a lot of, like, um, season from hell potential for, for this team. Um, and I think, you know, we don't wish injuries on anyone, but it's like, you look at this roster, like, of the top teams, of the top, like, four or five teams in the East, this is the one team that can least afford an injury yeah. to their best player. Like if Joel Embiid goes down, it reminds me of those kind of Cleveland, LeBron, you know, early career situations where you look at the rest of the roster and you're like, wow, the rest of the roster is like a 25-win team. So I just think there's a lot of factors at play right now. Um, and at the top of it is the fact that their second best player is causing all this chaos. And just because it's been chaotic in Philly for a whole decade, we just assume that's okay. Like, this is not normal. <laughs> Guys, this is another serious situation we need to do that. And uh, what's the, uh, what's the over-under on the number of games it takes uh, for Nick Nurse to start calling out uh, some 76ers players uh, in the media? You mean on his burner account? Have yeah. you heard about this story that's been circulating guys i hear there's you always mention it i hear you always mention it uh so fill me there's in a there's potential, a there's a potential burner account <laughs> uh -oh. um, i don't that is maybe direct i don't think it's directly nick nurse but maybe someone related okay. to him who has been replying to to everything that's nick nurse related who has been saying that the raptors only had three good players last season etc so wow um, you guys gotta look into that. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send Jerome, aka Black Dragon Roll, all the information after. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know the public callouts. I mean, uh, Chris Boucher was on our show uh, last week, and we asked him about it, and he said, "Hey, I just got used to it um, at huh. some point." And I'm like, "Ah, that's not a that's not a healthy answer." <laughs> no. um, when you're just used to your coach calling you out, so I don't know. I, I think it's gonna maybe two weeks. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it two weeks. I think. I'm trying to think. I think, you know, DeAnthony Melton, Paul Reed, you know, one of these role guys. You better be careful. You better be careful. That call-out is coming. Yeah, uh, you're right. It won't be Nurse really calling out Joel Embiid or Maxi. It'll be one of those guys uh, trying to, like, really crack the rotation or get an opportunity and Nurse sees something he doesn't like and trying to coach him up through the media that way. I love it. Can't I can't – I always forget that Nick Nurse is the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. It is that weird. would be, a, like, a huge change if that was the only change. Saying bye to Doc Rivers. Yeah. It, uh, Nick Nurse coming to town. Um, Chris he got used to getting called out. Did the players get used to their coach coming into the locker room with an acoustic guitar to strum along? <laughs> I think that traveled to Philadelphia. I don't know how that goes over in a new locker room. 
Yeah, we're going to see. I think that is a really interesting dynamic. You know, I think, Nick, what we've learned from his tenure in Toronto is he's just a big personality, right? right? Like, he wants to have his imprint on the team, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And listen, if I was promoted to head coach after, like, you know, toiling around in the G League as an assistant for so many years and won a championship in my first year, like, I'd be moving around like Nick Nurse, too. You know, like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to call out all the players. Like, I I know what's good. So, like... But I do think it's going to be interesting because Nick Nurse has been known to to be a great tactician in the playoffs, and this is exactly what the Sixers need. So I, I do wonder. I, I do wonder, like, do they have good enough of a roster to finally give uh, a, a quote unquote better head coach a chance to to get them over the hump in the playoffs this season? I'm I'm still very skeptical about about just the overall team. Well, to bring it back to Alex's new book, Prehistoric, it's available everywhere tomorrow. That's October 24th. I know some of you have already pre-ordered. I saw people tweeting at me, pre-ordered, checkmark. So you got to love to see that, Alex. Uh, This book, though, again, phenomenal. If you are a Raptors fan or know a Raptors fan in your life, I think it's like the perfect like holiday gift uh, with uh, Christmas right around the corner. So go grab this. I absolutely loved it. One uh, one other favorite moment from this book, you you writing about Vincenzo Esposito <laughs> and Carlos Rogers getting into it, basically, like fighting in practice and then having an epic one-on-one game. And uh, I, I could have read 10 chapters about that. Yeah, I love that. You know, at one point during the summer, um, I was only on WhatsApp chatting with two people, Vincenzo and my mom. And I don't know why I just found that so funny that those were the two names on there. But yeah, Vincenzo was another guy that was super fun to to talk to. He's coaching overseas now. And he had some great memories, including that one story you talked about, that Vincenzo wasn't playing a lot at the start of the season, but he was like going at everybody in practice. And I think Vincenzo is one of those guys who's got this like pretty like confident slash cocky attitude that really rubbed himself the wrong way on some of the guys and then you know one of the times after practice he just challenged Carlos Rogers to this one-on-one match and everybody just like all the players and coaches just like changed their clothes and even Brendan Malone who was like a very serious dude was like all right I'm gonna sit in the bleachers and watch how this unfolds so it was like super fun but Vincenzo told me like oh after that like him and Carlos got really close and you know Carlos would talk about going to visit in Italy and they really got to know each other so all that stuff um all that stuff in that book like there's just so many tidbits about just the relationships of the guys yeah that's really cool all right Alex uh final thought here plug the book plug the raptor show and uh, tell people where they can follow your work yeah book is called prehistoric uh go order it uh watch the raptor show follow me on twitter uh steven underscore lebron ig is at steven lebron and you know before i before i uh, leave as well i just want to give a quick shout out to tass i know i saw you guys post a photo with him i've been talking to uh jerome um aka black dragon roll i've just got to call him jerome man i can't be calling him black <laughs> nah, dragon roll this we is like a... the plugs for his handles as well <laughs> yeah this is a grown man um i respect you jerome i love you but like you know i you know i i hear that tass is getting better and you know i'm, I'm super glad to hear that um tass i don't know if you're watching or not but you know i, I just want want you to know um that i'm thinking of you uh, Will and I, the the whole crew as well, and and I did hear Tass is trying to get back to the show soon. Tass, let me tell you, man, as someone who always tells people, take the longest time possible to get back to work, my brother. Take the longest route back to work if you have a chance to not work. So, shouts to you, Tass. Shouts to you, Skeets and Trey. I always appreciate you guys, and it's always fun. And I promise you, next time. I write a book. I will bring a microphone, all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, hey, next time, get me on the back of the book with the blurb. I sent a great oh, one in. Do I, do I have one minute to talk about book blurb? Yeah, go, yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. So I was like, oh, I was like, man, I wrote a killer blurb. This is getting on this so, book for sure. But no. So I... here's the blurb from J.E. Skeet. Quote, <laughs> when did you fall in love with basketball? It's a question I've often asked. Thankfully, my answer is to now just hand over a copy of Prehistoric, which perfectly captures the joy of having our own NBA team to root for as a young teen. The purple jerseys, the Sky Dome, Mighty Mouse. This is the ultimate trip down memory lane and a must-read for any Canadian hoops head. Once again, Will Lou, you could say this on air every day, and it would really help my <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't talk- it? I'm, I'm it was writer. an amazing blurb, so here's what happened. So here, here's my whole strategy, because I'm a long-term thinker. When I was writing Cover Story, I was like, my next book is probably going to be a Raptors book. So I'm going to ask Trey, I'm going to ask Trey to, to blurb Cover Story, right. which he did. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to ask Skeets and Tass to blurb a Raptors-specific book. And that's what I did. I asked both of you. The problem is... So I sent out blurb requests to like 10 people because usually you do that because we are notorious, the most unreliable people, just like sports media people. (laughs) And you're like, hey, please read my book. Please uh, do a blurb. And you expect out of the 10 people, maybe you get answers from like five of them. 
And that's what you hope for. Because mm-hmm. then you put like four or five blurbs in there. So what happened was all 10 people replied <laughs> wow. within like the, the two week requirement. And then I'll, I told my publisher, I'm like, can you can I take a look at a at a back cover where all the blurbs are in there? And it just looked insane because they had to like squeeze everything in. That's fair. And then and then I was like, man, how do I do this like in a way that doesn't like you know mess everyone up uh, or like gets anyone upset at me? And then I just decided to just go based on who sent it to me first. Oh. So like the first five people who sent it to me first. And but your blurb is up on on Amazon, on Indigo, it's everywhere, um, along <laughs> with Tassis. And I just want you guys to know that I do super appreciate it. You know, I started going to therapy this year. My therapist told me to stop thinking in such extremes. Like for a time, I would be like, oh my God, Skeets and Taz hate me forever. I am the worst person. Um, but I was able to overcome those thoughts and come on this podcast and give you guys a classic on Monday. So I really appreciate <laughs> You did indeed. I'm happy to know it made it onto the digital version of the book. All right, everybody, Alex Wong, go get prehistoric. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, some NBA news. Don't go anywhere. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cha-ching. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We gotta get you a soundboard again, AJD. Eh, remember the soundboard days? I do remember yeah, those days. Yeah. Why don't we? We gotta fire that up. Just uh, you know, add something else to your. Uh, yeah, you need yeah, more busy plate. I need more things to do. Yeah, yeah, here, more yeah. things to <laughs> incorrectly <laughs> press at the wrong time. Yeah. Raptor Show's got a soundboard. They do. Yeah. That thing's wild. They do. They must have like an entire Devlin section. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all Devlin. That's true. Yeah, check out the Raptors show. Not only just read uh, prehistoric; it's one of my favorite Raptors podcasts out there. All right, we got a bunch of NBA news to uh, break down here. Let's start with the sad news. This uh, came out on Sunday. Memphis Grizzlies center Stephen Adams will undergo season-ending surgery on the PCL in his right knee. Uh, the big man injured his knee in January, which kept him out for the rest of that season. And the team said. He had to have this surgery after non-operative rehab failed to resolve ongoing instability. So this is another tough blow here for the Grizzlies, who are already going to miss John Morant for 25 games. Uh, their guy that would have probably slotted into Stephen Adams' position in Brandon Clark, he's going to miss the start of the season. So what do you think about Adams here, this unfortunate news, and, and how the Grizzlies will fare? Get your Xavier Tillman Sr. stock, Skeets. Yeah. Seems like we're going to see a lot more of him, but this is a significant injury uh, for the Grizzlies, enough that if we were doing our over-under podcasts, I would probably now go under 45 and a half wins uh, for Memphis. Last season, 28 and 14 uh, with big Steve on the court, 23 and 17 without, so a little bit better, Um, but they're really going to miss just the physicality he brings. He's a great screen setter for John Morant whenever he returns, would obviously be a great screen setter for Smart and Bain as well. He's killer on the offensive glass. And then on the defensive glass, he definitely helps rebounding, but he also keeps bodies off Jaron Jackson Jr., allows him to really roam and make an impact defensively. The foul trouble will be even more in question, I think, with JJJ this season. If he's going to be running a lot more center minutes out there, they're going to be playing younger guys in Tillman, Santi Aldama, Zaire Williams will probably get a nice shot here. They've been drafting three, four, five positions for the past couple of seasons. So the guys are there, but they're skinnier or they're slower. There's not the perfect combination uh, that they had between Jaron Jackson Jr. as the athletic shot blocking type. And then Steven Adams as the space taker up sort of big beefy center. So yeah, this is a big time miss uh, for the Grizzlies. And I don't know. I mean, like we're saying, the under seems in play now, and the Grizzlies are a team that has been near the top of the Western Conference. They could very easily finish in the middle. Yeah, what's really a bummer about this, too, is like 
he hurts it, I said, in January. Uh, you know, that's coming up to a year ago, really. And you get never wanting to like, well, let's just do surgery and get it over with. But it feels like that would have been maybe the smarter move here, Could unfortunately, right? Uh, but they tried to do the non-operative rehab, like I said, and it just failed, uh, at least with his sort of stability and how good he felt on that knee. But man, yeah, if they had done it back then, then you sort of have him coming back probably at some point this season. But instead, Adams done for the season with that season-ending surgery. And yeah, I guess if you're playing fantasy basketball, look at Tillman. Aldama, I think, will get some opportunity uh, alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. So maybe if you're going, uh, if they're not taken up off the waiver wires yet, go grab those guys. <laughs> if you're if you're playing fantasy hoops, are you playing fantasy hoops? Still? No, no, I've been retired for a while. Eh? Only reality hoops for me. <laughs> okay. Ever since the fantasy unicorn went away, I haven't been in oh, wow. the mix. I've been searching for it in the fantasy forests out there, trying to <laughs> capture it. Uh, for a real basketball team, the Grizzlies. What do you think about them going after Rob Williams there in Portland? Saw that. Uh, of course, you always see, hey, Dwight Howard, here's your team to come play for as well. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, yeah, because it's not like this is a couple months. This is this is the season here that he's out. And I know he's uh, Stephen Adams feels like he's 40, but he's not even 30. So he could come back from this injury, though. A giant dude with a knee injury, that's always tough. Yeah, so do you pivot and try and find sort of a, a five to play alongside Jaron Jackson Jr., who they obviously just don't want to play all that much at center. Right. And a part of it is foul trouble. I get that. Um, but he also could. I mean, he's a big-ass dude, too. Like, I mean, he's like a 6'11 guy that leads the league in shot blocking. Yes. Like, he should, in theory, be able to play that position in today's game. Uh, yeah, just I don't know what it would take to sort of to get him from the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know. Probably a pick or a pick and a swap or something yeah. like that, uh, just because the Blazers would be holding the cards. Yeah. Uh, but the Grizzlies are a team that has some assets because they're usually pretty stingy uh, with their draft picks because they like drafting. I think another possible solution for them would be Clint Capella if things don't go oh, as anticipated uh, in Atlanta here. The future at the big position for Atlanta is going to be a Kongwu for sure, but Capella is a little bit more similar to Steven Adams. Uh, than I think Rob Williams is to Steven Adams. Williams plays pretty similar to Jaron Jackson Jr., being able to roam and influence shots at the rim, whereas Capella is getting bodies on people. He's a great rebounder as well, which you need uh, next to Jaron Jackson Jr. The other uh, potential center to sort of target, if it's possible at all, is uh, bring Jonas Alanchunas back yeah, sure. to, to Memphis. <laughs> sure. If you know, Maybe if things go poorly for the Pelicans and they go a different direction, but probably unlikely. All right, our next piece of news, uh, again, happened on Friday. Andre Iguodala four-time NBA champ with the Warriors, announced his retirement last week. It's official. In 19 seasons, Iguodala averaged 11.3 points, 4.9 rebounds, rebounds, and 4.2 assists in over 1,200 games. And you see the accolades there. Uh, four-time champ, won the 2015 Finals MVP, one-time All-Star, and then two-time All-Defensive uh, selections. Uh, any thoughts on this news, Iguodala here, hanging it up? He had a long career, 19 seasons in the NBA. Yeah. I think we're going to start seeing those kinds of numbers since yeah. guys come to the league more often and know how to take uh, care of their bodies at, at this point. But Iguodala has been a fun guy to watch throughout his career. It was cool when he was playing with Allen Iverson. They had two AIs on the same team, mm -hmm. and he looked like he was going to be the athletic scoring wing future there. He was a good scorer yep. at the time, but he really found his calling kind of after going to Team USA, playing role-player basketball, and then being like, the epitome of a role-player glue guy with the Warriors. Yeah. He made the death lineup possible uh, for the most part and was such a smart player that as his athleticism declined later and later in his career, he was still able to contribute getting a better outside jump shot, being a passer, and just being knowing where to be uh, defensively, having incredibly quick cans. He must have led the league in strip strip sacks that's an NFL term but low strips <laughs> yeah. you know rather than straight up steals so uh yeah you know 19 seasons not a surprise when somebody retires after that long uh and definitely not a surprise that the guy wants to go on to own his own team he's apparently now a venture capitalist yeah yeah he's I think he has set himself up well yeah. here for his post NBA career uh is Andre Iguodala a future Hall of Famer at all uh, he uh, his teams will be in there Oh, you think the the Warriors, the seventy three so, and nine Warriors, will be inducted uh, or at least all? the Warriors, uh, the the mid two thousands Warriors, I think will get in there. I don't know, and I never want to say somebody's not a Hall of Famer because they might find out on Instagram and start <laughs> sliding in our DMs. So Shout out to the Rock. <laughs> um, but. Andre Iguodala himself said he doesn't think he's a Hall of Famer on a podcast. Yeah, I uh, Statitudes. It's a newsletter I love. They had uh, the the breakdown over the weekend. 
about whether or not Andre Iguodala is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Justin, he goes through a bunch of questions for all of the people when he's assessing their Hall of Fame cred- credentials. First one, was he ever regarded as the best player in basketball? <laughs> no, for Andre Iguodala. Was he the best player on his team? Justin argues he was on the 76ers for, for a window there. 06-07 to maybe 2011-12. Okay. Those teams, they won about 46% of their games. Uh, they made the playoffs four times in the six seasons. They only won one playoff series. Trey, Kirby's re- Trey Kirby remembers it well, unfortunately. Yes, this, uh, uh, I was watching it at 628 Fleet Street. Yes, I was with you yes, when you Derrick were. Rose went down. Right. That was the 1-8 matchup there, and they did beat uh, the Roseless Bulls in that series. Uh, did he have an impact on a number of NBA finals or conference finals? Absolutely, Iguodala did, specifically the finals MVP in 2015 when they beat the Cavs in six. Are most players who have comparable statistics in the Hall of Fame, this is the one that uh, intrigued me, Iguodala is one of 21 players in NBA history to record at least 10,000 points, 5,000 boards, and 5,000 assists. Of those other 20 players, 15 are in the Hall of Fame, 4 are still active, but will be elected, LeBron, Harden, Westbrook, and Chris Paul, and 1 is retired, but not yet eligible for the Hall. Joe Johnson. Also on that little sort of list there. But... Justin points out at Statitudes, Iguodala ranks 21st among those players in points, 20th in assists, and 15th in rebounds. So he's at the bottom of that group if you're picking those. And then the final one I'll go with here is uh, do the players' numbers meet Hall of Fame standards? If you look at his Hall of Fame probability, it's like 12.7%, which is pretty low. And only one all-star selection? There are not many guys in the Hall of Fame with two or less. I think it's Ginobili. I want to say like, Kelvin Murphy and, and Vlade are the only other ones with, with two or sure. fewer, yeah. Um, so that that's sort of tough, too. But I guess he got a gold medal. <laughs> yeah. Helps he his was case a good a Team bit. USA player, and he's got multiple titles, which will be the case. You know, once Steph retires, Draymond and Clay, and they start getting into the Hall of Fame, maybe his Hall of Fame case kind of picks up steam at that point. Yeah. Where you're like, he was an integral member of all of those teams. Yeah, it's also wild to think. Uh, I think I saw this in Woj's article writing about the retirement in July 2013, Iguodala turned down a five-year contract with the Nuggets to join the Warriors uh, via the sign-and-trade on a four-year, $48 million contract. I mean, what a move for his career. That was a controversial move. I know. Because didn't the, hadn't the Warriors beat the Nuggets in the yes. playoffs previously, and they thought Iguodala was like giving them state secrets from the Nuggets to the Warriors, and then he switched teams that's the next right, year? That's right, that's right. But man, that turned out well for him. Winning a bunch of championships on the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that goes yeah. down there in Denver. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, I don't think he'll ultimately get in. Sounds like you don't as well, uh, nor does Iguodala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you I know, trust him. you never know. You never know down the line. Um, contract extensions. Today, I believe, is the last day, right, for players on the last year of their first-round rookie-scale deals and extension-eligible veterans with two years left on their deals to get a contract extension. Uh, and we had a few come in here. I'm just going to throw them all at you, Trey. Uh, tell me the ones you want to talk about. We had the Wizards, uh, Denny Avdia, agreeing to a four-year, $55 million extension. The Spurs and Zach Collins, they reached a two-year, $35 million extension. And the Nuggets extended Zeke uh, Naji on a four-year, $32 million deal. What do you think? Any uh, any thoughts on... Players are expensive these days, Skeets. I know, is what that's I think. what you see some people freaking out. $32 million for Zeke Naji, and I bet that like we've got sickos that watch this show and listen to this show. Yeah. You may not have seen Zeke Naji play, and he's getting $32 million. Uh, but yeah, I guess let's start with Avdia, just because he's probably the most well-known of these players. Four years, $55 million. Kind of a lot, but he's not even 23 years old yet. He will be uh, quite soon. He's really good defensively. He's got good size. He hits the glass. He can play a couple of different positions. The offense is definitely the question. Not much of a three-point shooter right now. Just kind of puts his head down, tries to get to the rim. So he draws some free throws, which is good. Decent passer as, like, the third ball handler on a team. But if he's going to be a real impact player, he's going to need to shoot closer to league average from three. I think he was, like, in the 30s, low 30s, 31. Yeah. Yeah. At least he plays a lot, though. That's good. And, you know, there's a new Wizards front office. This is a new era for the Wizards. At least they're showing some faith in him that he'll stick around, at least for the onset of the rebuild. That's right. And, again, you see four years, $55 That is a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But 
not really in the NBA landscape yeah. when you like break it down per year. I saw Hollinger wondering maybe this is the type of contract that's you know higher in the first year, then sort of goes down year two and three, and then maybe actually comes back up in year four, sort of this horseshoe contract idea. There's a bunch of reasons why teams are trying to do that. Um, I don't believe there's a team or player option on that one as well. And yeah, he, he is young. I forget how young he is, and at least he gives a damn about defense. Um, so that's not bad. Any other thoughts on the other ones? I mean, I got thoughts on all of them. All right, really give me want. those Zach talk Collins. About Zach Collins, what a reclamation project by the Spurs. I think this is a good get for them. He gives them toughness at center. Mm-hmm. It keeps the bumps and bruises down for Victor Wembanyama, which I think is a huge part of it here. Yep. Let's him kind of roam around and make plays all over the court using his size. And Zach Collins, I think, is pretty decent when he's been healthy. He got hurt at the end of his tenure there uh, with the Trailblazers, had to recover basically last season uh, with the Spurs as well, or a couple of seasons back. And then last year, he played a decent amount of games. I think mm-hmm. he almost got to 70 games and was pretty solid when he was playing. Who knows if he becomes like a serious impact player uh, for the Spurs. I think he's got a chance to pop a little bit if they add some uh, playmakers at the perimeter positions. But for now, two years, it's kind of a lot of money uh, for yes, Zach Collins. That was but the one. this is a cheap, cheap team. Like the Spurs don't have yeah. a lot of big money contracts uh, right now. I guess the Vassell and Kelton Johnson extensions will be kicking in, uh, but they've got money to play with. So if this will help keep Victor Wembanyama healthy. It's totally worth it. And it's a two-year deal too. You're right. I mean, yep. it pops around you know 18 million or so if when we're looking at the average, close to that. But yeah, this is not a four or anything like that. So that one that that makes sense in that regards. And yeah, he looked okay uh, when he was got back, and the guy got back. I mean, he had a couple ankle injuries. Yep. And is back to being a, an NBA player. And then the final one, Najee. Zeke Najee, if he can shoot. He'll be a good, this will be a really good signing uh, for the Nuggets. He was 40% from three his first couple of seasons and then under 30% last year. So they got to hope he's better than 26%. If he rebounds, he'll be able to stay on the court. And there's some opportunity uh, with the Nuggets, with Jeff Green leaving, with Bruce Brown leaving. Basically, Denver has to retain their young guys right now because the starters are going to get more and more and more expensive as time goes on. Let's hear your thoughts, guys, on the contract extensions for uh, all three of those guys, Avdia, Collins, Najee, uh, with the Wizards, Spurs, and Nuggets, respectively. Again, last day for a lot of those contract extensions. I guess a couple more could trickle in, in theory, at the very last minute, but we will see. we got to take one more break, uh, but when we come back, tweet in the night. Don't go anywhere. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. People in the stream team saying this show has jumped the shark. <laughs> That's a good joke. That's a great joke. That's a great joke, you guys. <laughs> for all I love you it. old people. I love it. Uh, it is NBA Jersey Day. Uh, I should note out for the podcast listeners, I'm rocking uh, you know, the throwback Raptors jersey, especially with Alex Wong coming on to talk about uh, the improbable first season of the Raps. Our guy Trey Kirby's got the <laughs> Sixers Ben Simmons. What was with this choice? Um, Nike gifted us these jerseys probably when they took over the NBA contract. I never wore it. I was like, I'm never going to want to wear a Ben Simmons jersey. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I also knew if I held on to it for long enough, it would become a comedy jersey. And mm. guess what, Skeets? That day is today on the fourth <laughs> annual NBA jersey day. Yes. It looks good. This is, I yeah. mean, it's a great jersey. It is. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a just cool ben jersey. Simmons on Philly, which yeah, is but funny. now it's a funny one. Yeah. And then the stream team really wanted to know about your jersey, JD. Uh, the mm. digital camouflage <laughs> Raptors, which uh, is that a. That's a DeRozan. It's a DeRozan, yeah. A DeRozan. Does Trey have the Barnani of I this? I got a Barnani. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. yeah. I wore this downstairs, and uh, Rachel's like, what the hell? What is that? <laughs> Minecraft edition? <laughs> oh, yeah. True. Because <laughs> it is kind of blocky if you go in real it's close. But, uh, really ugly, eh? Very, very <laughs> ugly. Very ugly. It was the only one left in the box when we. Remember they brought us out like a whole box of jerseys and Lee dove in head first and he was like grabbing all the cool stuff. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll, I'm a Raptors guy. I guess I'll take DeRozan. Uh, DeRozan, nothing wrong with DeRozan, but no. it's this this uh, camo, I guess, for Remembrance Day? Maybe yeah, Veterans Day? There. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. believe that was the idea. Man, I mean, it's the opposite of camouflage. You're not blending in anyway. Yeah, can't definitely stop not. Looking at it like, you should see me in Minecraft, though. You can't see me at all. <laughs> well, stand in the front of the creepers will never get you. That's yeah. exactly right. That's I cool. actually, uh, when Alex was on, he was wearing, I think, a Raptors G League jersey. So I kind of actually felt likely. There's that picture of us getting ready to go to All Star in Toronto. Six of us, five of us wearing Raptors jackets, and Lee wearing a bright white Sixers jacket. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're big Sixers fans here on right. Dunks and Slash the Starters. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet, uh, tweet of the Night, X of the Night, comes from Shayna Rubin over the weekend as we had our last couple of preseason games, and... Uh, well, we got this exchange here, a Wembenyama Chris Paul jersey exchange, and this photo from Shayna Rubin, we not, we might need to enhance if possible, because look at Chris Paul <laughs> on the tippy toes as he takes the jersey photo with Wembenyama, <laughs> which is so great, so relatable, uh, especially any photo I've ever taken with Trey Kirby. Um <laughs> And uh, anyway, I thought it was a great catch there from Shayna. All right, I almost, almost made him as tall as Victor Wemby. Yes, so, yeah, pretty so close. close, so close. There's also that uh, picture of Wemby from the game against the Warriors yeah. this weekend, where he's blocking Wiggins' jump shot. Yeah, it's that's wild. crazy. Wiggins looks tiny to the point where I didn't even notice Chris Paul in the corner, and everybody's like, "Look at him! He looks like Kevin Hart out there." Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, Wiggins, what six seven? Yeah, Wemby like waist high, blocking probably. the shot. It looks like his. His fingertips must be how how high in the air? Like where are they? Yeah, great question. Great question. Twelve feet. In I was going to say at least. Half? Yeah, I, don't know. I, I thought about twelve feet. And then you're right. Chris Paul looks like a toddler on the yeah. sidelines out there. Uh, any photo of Weminyama is incredible, and the stuff he's doing in his games is uh, just as amazing. But I love I gotta the see I love him. the tippy toe there. I got to see him next to Yao and Shaq because like that's a crazy picture. Yao standing next to Shaq, and you're like, what? Shaq is tiny now. <laughs> so I mean, he'll be shorter than Yao, obviously. And both of those guys, they're quite bigger too. <laughs> you could probably fit four Wembies in the yeah. Into those two guys, but uh, yeah, yeah, we got to see. We just got to see how he stacks up against the other giants that we've seen. <laughs> it's true. We got to line them all up. Yep. All right. Well, let's call it. Uh, thanks so much to our guest, Alex Wong. Go get his new book, Prehistoric. Uh, it comes out everywhere tomorrow. You can pre-order it uh, today, of course, but you might as well just wait at this point and get it tomorrow. It's so so good. Uh, and again, if you have a Raptors fan in your life. I would get this for them uh, around the holidays. It's the perfect gift. It's so, so good. And he did such a great job of, uh, you know, going over the entire creation of this team. Actually, I meant to bring it up, but I'll bring it up with you. Okay. He, it, Of course, the book is about the Raptors, but he does slip in a part about the Vancouver Grizzlies and the naming contest they had for their team. 
Because a lot of Raptors fans, they know all about, oh, there was a bunch of other names in the mix, for you know, and then Raptors wins out. But some of the names for the Vancouver Grizzlies, it was a province-wide naming contest. <laughs> Vancouver Rain. Okay. Sure. Vancouver Ravens. Vancouver Orcas. Oh. Vancouver Dragons. I feel like Dragons was on everybody's shortlist yeah. at some point. Uh, Vancouver Storm. Vancouver Eagles. Vancouver Venom. Vancouver Vultures. Vancouver Vipers. And then the one that I guess they were thinking about going with, the Vancouver Vipers. But then somebody was like, that's the name of a Dodge car. And General Motors was uh, involved in the team. So they're like, well, we can't do that. <laughs> what? Wait, what? General Motors it's was involved with the, the, the future Grizzlies? Yes. And they the didn't name of want the, their uh, team name, their car named used. No, Dodge. Oh, Dodge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like oh, conflicting right, right, uh, right. car rights. Right. Okay. Vipers. Vancouver Vipers. Anyway. That's any favorites cool. uh, out of those? I mean, some of those were like, bad. I think the Storm is good. Yeah. I like Rain and Storm. Well, Storm yeah. ultimately went to uh, WNBA yeah. uh, Seattle franchise. Yeah. 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 yeah it would be very competitive with the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Battle of weather. <laughs> the battle of weather. Forget the Naismith Cup. Give us the weather cup. <laughs> uh, all right. So anyway, uh, was another little favorite uh, part of that book. Okay. One more sleep until real NBA basketball is back. We'll be here in the Classic Factory tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I think we got to talk about some of these jerseys. Yes. We got to like, yes, do some do. thumbs up or thumbs down on some of them at least. And whatever other NBA news and final predictions we want to get in, I might uh, fire up a playback. Little pregame playback tomorrow night as we lead into the uh, TNT games. I'm excited that we get the Nuggets at 7:30. Yeah. Does that sound weird? We get Lakers Nuggets at 7:30 on ring night, but that's you know early for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, that's a really like, early as a home, game. As a home game, that's like a 5:30 start because the second game's uh, Warriors Suns. So yeah, I know, uh, but I can't wait. Uh, real basketball is back, guys, uh, and that means no dunks back in your life. Monday through Friday. So we'll see you tomorrow morning. Until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, tomorrow is the beginning of the 77th NBA season. But today's just the fourth NBA jersey day. Got to catch up. <laughs> Brace the day, people. <laughs>